0: This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Wenger.
1: And I'm Luc olivier
0: And our topic this week is...
1: Photo slash video editing and management workflows. Nice. But before we start, I know we have some follow-up. We do? Yes, we do. Uh, I do have one thing, and for a rare occasion, it's me that has some follow-up. And I would like to uh, ask to revisit one of my old episodes. So on episode 51, named Permission System i've um, documented and uh, explained all of the permission system that you can find on mobile OSs, and i find that i realized that this episode is quite topical with the recent issues with facebook and the main point i wanted to um, revisit is part of this episode i conclude that uh, ios could improve its uh, permission system by including specific domains where it would require users to accept permissions before installing an app, a bit like an hybrid model that Windows Phone had, a Windows Phone had in the past. Um, with the recent news with the Facebook, I've kind of realized that my suggestion might have been already done, uh, already discussed inside Apple, and realized that it would be a strong and bad idea, because even by doing so, people could abuse those. Uh, pre-install permission or require to install an app permission and do something funky uh, with that permission, like what we been, have been seeing with Facebooks for years.
0: Yeah, I would also like to recommend that anyone who's interested in, in a more nuanced discussion of the Facebook stuff that's been going on, and if you're not quite sure what's been going on with Facebook, to go listen to the latest episode of the Exponents podcast with Ben Thompson, because they had an incredibly good discussion about it last week.
1: Also, it would be a good opportunity for you to also revisit some of the uh, permission you allowed to your app install on your phone. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone, um, like I discussed in that episode, most of the Android phones these days are have like super specific and super fine grain controls for permission. So it would be a good opportunity to revisit what you have installed what you approve and disapprove and make sure that it still fits your needs.
0: And as a complete side note, uh, As we talked about a couple, well, quite a few episodes ago, I got a sort of Nintendo DS-ish handheld that runs Android, and I've been playing more Android games on there, and basically every Android game asks for every permission imaginable, otherwise it refuses to launch, which is kind of sketchy. Oh, yeah, totally. Yep. All right, are we ready to move on to the main topic? I
1: think we are. So, I think... Follow management and video has been a kind of a recurring topic on Um From what I've realized is last time we spoke about it is in 2016, in episode 46. The episode was titled, No son of mine is going to own an old Sony. It was referred to Yannick's dad when Yannick said that he's going to buy a Sony camera years ago. And in this episode we main we spoke we divided this episode in two parts. Uh the first part was talking about our hardware setup and the second part was talking about the workflow. And since then I think I, I do know that my workflow changed quite a lot and I think that's why I decided to also include video. I've been teasing that I'll be doing more video and that's kind of why I want to talk about workflows and maybe some of the issues that I've encountered about doing video stuff.
0: Mm, I would uh, like to channel a uh, frequent listener of the show, my dad, and infrequent <laughs> listener of the show, my mom, who would like to remind you to import your memory cards and do something with your photos and videos sometimes.
1: That's a good note, because we'll be talking about that.
0: Mm, I hope so.
1: So, the other reason why I wanted to tackle this topic is, since, the, since summer is coming soon-ish uh, here in Quebec... Uh, as you may have heard in previous episode, the car season is about to start again for me. So I might be using my GoPro more, but, uh, I did say I might. Yeah, uh, judging by previous
0: years, you probably won't.
1: And that's part of the point. And also, uh, I already have a lot of vacation plan, and one of which is I'm going back to, uh, I'm going back to California this year. I'll be in San Jose during the Apple WWDC conference. Sadly, no ticket but I should be attending all conf. so I already plan in the next few months that there's going to be a lot more a, a lot more load on my typical uh, management of those photos and videos media and I also want to reflect back on my trip to Costa Rica last year on what I did and compare to previous trips where it, they created a lot of loads on my workflow. So I want to start by revisiting what I do with my photos. And no, it is not. It's an improvement since last time we spoke about that. It is not leaving them on memory cards. I think Mm. I've done a lot of cleanup for that. And in 2016, when we spoke about that, I was about to toggle the switch on using iCloud Photo Library. Yannick, you were, I think, using it since its inception, if I recall correctly.
0: I think I waited a couple months to see if people lost any data with it. But once it actually seemed to be pretty solid, I jumped on it.
1: Yeah. At that point in 2016, I think uh, this episode was recorded in August 2016. I was uh, maybe a month or two into it or about to be into it. So at this time of recording, I would say nearly nearly about a year and a half of usage. And also iCloud Photo Library really changed the way I do my management. As you may not expect, every time I took a, I took, I take a look of photos, uh, whether they are from my phone or my DSLR, those always end up in iCloud Photo Library. Obviously, with the cell phone, with the iPhone, it's super easy to do because it just does that automatically. Uh, but with the DSLR, one improvement I've done, uh, to, um, uh, to, make this process faster was to just buy the uh, iOS dongle for importing photos and I used to have the one compatible with the first iPad but at that time never kind of really used it. I've realized that uh, in my recent trips I was always bringing my iPad and offloading the picture on the iPad and do a first pass of all of the photos. That I've took the first day, and also using the iPad as a second backup during the trip before I up- before those photos gets uploaded to iCloud, and also backed up using my backup software on the Mac at home, I was kind of a good win win situation in that case because if you recall this episode, this I- the episode forty six was mainly Yannick telling me that I'm a lazy bastard with my photo management, and one of the main reason was. Uh, at that time, I was always making sure that I want to edit all of the photo because I wanted to make sure that the photo I took were as close as I reminded. I was reminded uh, of, the, of the situation when I took the photo. So if there was something imperfect in that photo, I would like to make it sh- sure that it would reflect my memory of that moment. And created a huge load on my uh, workflow, and then end up just being backlog, backlog and backlog and never doing it. So uh, importing a lot of photos and just kind of doing a, a minimal triage of them at the import time really relieved me of that quote unquote stress of editing all of those photos. It let me just like import the photos that I want. Maybe identify five, ten pictures that I found the best ones and maybe took those to do some tweaks, maybe do a bit of uh, modification, but what I've realized is with the, the easiest of use of iCloud Photo Library and its function about creating memories, finding the best photo for you, all of this makes me even more lazy, but its ease of use makes sure that i do a good import so i'm i'm trying my best to not import too much junk into it and then i'll let the software do the rest for me of course as you may note uh icloud photo library doesn't do uh automatic edits of your photo maybe twinking and making making sure that it uses the enhance feature so you still have to do that manually compared to some of its competitions like i think uh google google cloud photos is doing that uh itself but at least it is one step so the photos I want to edit I do edit them and also the fact that this iCloud library is everywhere makes it that if I have a five minutes of downtime sometime during the day I can just go in my photos on my phone do do some triage do some editing and if I have uh, five other minutes later on the day or just like a couple days later on my iPad, when and I'm at that moment, and I'm on my iPad or I'm in front of a Mac, this simplicity of views and this like transportation of data is super useful for my laziness and making sure that I triage and kind of audit all of my newly imported photo as fast as I can.
0: Can I share a tip? Yes. Okay. So. This is something that I did, uh, during my first trip to Japan, and I would recommend it to people who feel overwhelmed by the amount of photos that they import from, let's say, a big trip or something like that. Is, and it's stupid because it borrows from the days of film, which is take the 24 best shots and edit those first. And just, you're going to have the 24 best photos of your trip ready before the rest of the photos are done and you can immediately share those with your family or whatever and the idea is you're just going to prioritize the most wow shots in your library and then if those are the best ones like what i used to do uh for my japan trip was i would just go through and give five stars and i gave myself a limit of 24 um so that way I had, like, if someone just wanted to see my trip real quickly, first of all, I always have my five-star photos syncing to my phone. So I always had those photos handy. And it also meant that I had those ready before the rest of the photos. I would eventually go through and uh, filter the rest of my photos. Uh, not filter, but uh, edit the rest of my photos because I'm a completionist. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> but having the most important photos prioritized first and doing so by artificially limiting myself to 24 meant that I had stuff to show sooner to people who were knocking at my door saying, we want to see the photos.
1: Oh no, for sure. And I think, uh, the live feature of photos and app is uh, really helping for that. I would consider that I would like photos that are kind of part of this, uh, 24 set of pictures per trip. And I would say that the, um, Memory's functionality of iPhoto, uh, iCloud photo library is pretty good at identifying those photos for you to if you're at, or if you're that lazy, and part of the Costa Rica track that I did last year, I also that was the first opportunity that I had to use my GoPro, so I end up uh, with a lot of raw footage, and I wasn't sure how to. I think the best way to put it is not that I wasn't sure how to do a proper uh, montage of those raw footage but kind of creating the storyline behind it and I'll come back onto, onto that later but photos and its uh, kind of AI functionality uh, were pretty impressive for that to be honest I was able to identify the nicest pictures even some like usually it also look at your likes or it detects that if you had reasons to like those, features, those pictures, there might be a reason why, whether they are good or they are valuable to you. So it would use them in those memories. And also it would also edit the raw footage for you and then create a nice video of your trip. Another good uh, tip that I found is be lazy and use the functionality of cloud services. Before I go on about some of the problems I real- I've encountered in the recent years uh, with some of the relying on uh, cloud services for <laughs> photos, do you want to share some of your changes with your uh, workflow? Uh,
0: there are no changes since the 2016 episode.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I'm impressed then. Um, Then I'll move to some of the downsides I realized. And Yannick, you've been identified some of them in the 2016 episode where some of them were like, since... If you're using iCloud Photo Library and you turn it on, everything that goes into your camera wall gets uploaded automatically. So it's super nice when it's photos you took with your phone, but then when it's screenshots or just stuff you want to share on social media and not being stored indefinitely in your photo library, it becomes a bit messy.
0: Actually, I want to make a little tangent about screenshots because I feel like screenshots have gotten such so shitty in iOS 11 it's kind of unbelievable so uh as you may recall now in iOS 11 when you take a screenshot there's a little screenshot thing that pops up in the bottom corner of the screen and I talked in a previous episode how that thing is completely unreliable for me where often the modifications that I make are never saved in my library or the the original screenshot never even gets saved in the library and it's just lost forever uh which happens 85% 85% of the time I take screenshots, which means now I don't even bother with the screenshot editing features because they're worthless and unreliable. But on top of that, if you just take a screenshot, uh, now it seems that the default behavior is for iCloud Photo Library to automatically upload the screenshot in the cloud and delete the screenshot as soon as possible from your device. And that means that you can often be in a state where you're in the Photos app editing the screenshot while it deletes the screenshot, and then you save your changes to the screenshot, and says, sorry, the screenshot doesn't exist anymore. And you have to start your edit all over again. And again, this happens 90% of the time. I have to edit screenshots, because I don't use the built-in editing screenshot features, because they don't fucking work. So, screenshots are a load of shit in iOS 11, and I fucking hate them.
1: It's, I'm surprised that if you continue on intended, I'm surprised that you have so much issues with it, because the main feature that I use in it is, I use the share icon, in this new UI. I share it where I need to share it and then just use discard screenshot and then never have this problem. I think for me this new functionality in iOS really help help clean my uh, photo library and making sure it doesn't get polluted by those screenshots. But still, you still encounter, because everything that is in camera roll, you still encounter photos, maybe just, like, cat pictures, I don't know, or, like, food picture that you want to share on social media, but, or even for me, it would be car pictures that you don't want to keep in your kind of historical library. And I think that's what's missing in those uh, services. They want you to upload everything so you can pay for more storage. But it's harder, and it becomes harder and harder to create... uh, historical library where there's like one library of everything like let's call it like all of the raw footage whether it has been edited whether it's videos everything and then the other one is more like filtered and uh created
0: well the way i would define it is you want to have like the ephemeral library which is receipts photos of food photos of random instagram shit basically (laughs) like the photos you take with your phone overwhelmingly will fall into the ephemera thing because they're not there to make memories of a moment. They're there for, I am in the moment now, and I want to take a photo to for short-term purposes. And then you have the long-term storage, which is, here are, uh, whether it's photo shoots, intentional photo shoots, like because of your job or because you're going to an event or something, or just trip photos or family members and that stuff. And that is the stuff that you want to keep in sort of more of the museum of my life library. And uh, I think it's nice to have both uh, keep a record of stuff that is going on, because oftentimes stuff that you take in your sort of ephemeral library years later may actually come out to be interesting to look at. Like uh, today, Facebook uh, decided to remind me of my first trip to Japan, which has happened six years ago. Uh, today and uh, i had taken a photo of some mahjong anime which is funny because now i'm on a podcast every couple of weeks where i my sort of character on the show is that i am the weirdo who likes mahjong and uh (laughs) weird japanese shit and it's like even six years ago when i was just starting to go to japan i already had this aspect of my personality and thing and it's like a disposable photo of a mahjong manga in a bookstore like there is no value in that photo Except just by having it in the system, there is some value years later that was never intended when I took the photo. So I think like those kinds of aspects are interesting, which is why we maybe need let that separation of libraries just to keep our organization sane. But I think it's still useful to have both uh, kept in the records for as long as possible.
1: Yeah, and I see your point about this because it feels to me that to keep this kind of historical and then museum of a life t- uh, aspect of your photo library, um, most of the cloud services will rely on AI these days to do that. But at the same time, I would like have to have more control of it. And I, I think that's cause the point I was g- uh, trying to make here is to say, uh, do you, like the provider of those services, they realize that people don't want to manage it too much. But that to me, I think what I've realized in the last few years is that's the only aspect I want to manage. Like, do the edits for me. Like, find the best picture for me. I don't care. Like, that's what I want you to do. But creating this museum of my life, like, when I want to talk about my about my like trip to my friends, I want to show them the best 20 pictures. And yes, AI can suggest some to me, but I want the one to be curating those uh creating creating those pictures and making sure that when I open whether an album or this museum of my life I know that there's going to be those 20 pictures of my Costa Rica trip for example because they were suggested they were also created by me and then they are like kind of stored in place this way while also keeping this uh, ephem- ephemeral uh, aspect of the library which you are right it is a good place to get uh memories back and i think that's some of what those like facebook is good on that uh, apple with their ai is okay with it but like those memories like uh, on this day what you were doing like a couple <laughs> years ago they're always good, uh, they're always good to remind you about your life in the past and bring fun memories about either a past trip or just like a normal day with uh, a normal day out with friends
0: so, the other day, I was leaving work, and I get this notification on my phone from photos, and it's like, here's an album for your grandpa. And then I get home, and I ask my mom, I'm like, did something happen to grandpa? Why is this photo showing me ph- photos of my grandpa? Like, did he get sick or something? And I don't know, but this AI now is like, I know, and... At the end of it all, like this AI doesn't know more than I do about my grandpa's state, but I'm like, why are you giving me this notification telling me, like, check out this sick album about your grandpa <laughs> like while I'm leaving work? It was very strange. And occasionally it does this. It's like, I'm in the middle of the mall, and it's like, why don't you take this time to reflect about your dog and these dog pictures? And I'm like, why are you doing this now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the timing sometimes is strange, but to be honest, though, I- I would like to receive those notifications, and I don't know why I don't receive them. Maybe because I turn uh, notification off on photos. I've I have to gotten look into that.
0: two in a year, so I can tell you that they okay. are not very frequent, but when they happen, it's very strange.
1: <laughs> okay, that might be why. So I think at this point, uh, I've talked a lot about the photos, and that's been what I've been discussing in the past. What has been new in the past a year and a half is, like I said, and like I've been discussing in different episodes, is my purchase of a GoPro. And also, I've been uh, really—I've realized that I've been using something more of the feature of the video functionality of my iPhone, which uh, I think I was not prepared for this. I think that's kind of the goal of this episode is to say I wanted to do more video shit, and I was not prepared for it Mm. because the first thing I realized a bit too late already with video, and even if I don't have that much footage, is you can take shit ton of pictures with your camera, but. The num, like, the amount of raw footage you have with video is just way bigger than photos at some point. And, you know what? I was kind of not prepared to end all, all of this. Mm. So, uh, let's take as an example, uh, my Costa Rica trip. So, uh, of course it was kind of the first trip where I had the GoPro, so I took a lot of footage of mostly everything. While also forgetting that like, I was also forgetting one of my main tips for taking pictures is you should take pictures of what you find is interesting and make sure that what you frame is correct and blah, blah, blah to make sure that you don't have too much load at edit time or at import time. Yeah, I kind of ignore that advice for video. And I think it's even easier to ignore this advice with video.
0: Can you give like a practical example of what you mean?
1: Of course. Um, what I realized with the GoPro is just just press record. You either you with your selfie stick or just a normal stick or whatever. Or another example is uh, Tony did some uh, rope in the skies uh, activity, mm. and you just press record because he uh, has better things to do. And we have kind of an hour of him on ropes, and there's kind of important segments that we want him to we want uh, to see him being in the sky but there's like 15 minutes in between of each ropes so you end up that we need to cut a chunk big chunk of stuff of video that is kind of useless and that's super easy to just do record attach it attach the gopro to yourself and go on with your day and without realizing that you record like an hour or 15 minutes when you only needed like 30 seconds or a minute out of all of this footage so this creates a lot of noise around the real footage and what I I really realized is compared to photos you might realize that you you were using like the uh, you were like taking weird pictures I, I really what I realized is because you're only taking a frame in photos it's easy to skim it's way easier to skim through the noise compared to video in most cases Everything happens at 1x. You need to watch the video, make sure, okay, this is bad, this I don't want to keep, this I want to keep, this I need to delete, well, this... and
0: that's why skimming is built into iMovie and built into Final Cut. It's so that you don't have to bother with the 1x stuff. Though I will admit that, um, in general, I find that photo management tools are no good for video, and that is why I tend to... Well, it's true that most of the video stuff I do is video games and not... Uh, real life stuff. So I tend to keep that separate anyway from my photo library. Um, but I generally find that using photo management tools for video is setting yourself up for disaster because you generally, you generally want the raw footage backed up anyway in case you can ever do something else with that footage for some reason. But you don't want like the hour long video of Tony recording strapping it to his head and recording the, his entire day basically uh first of all hogging up all of your cloud backup space and two uh like you're never going to go watch that in your photos app you're you probably want to make a project out of all of that footage and then have that go in your photos app
1: and you know what you're bringing me to my next point is i, I like that you mentioned that uh most of photo um management software are not Build for videos, and that makes total sense. It's maddening. And the problem, the problem I have with that though is in 2016, when we recorded this episode, one of my main goals, and that one goal I can check for sure is I wanted to be able to do management of my photos on the go. Like, sometimes I'm just bored, or I have a kind of a like couple of minutes off in the weekend where I'm just like, you know what? I feel that I missed this trip and I would just go look at the pictures and while going back in my catalog I'll take the time to oh I'll clean those uh, some of those pictures uh, that were ephemeral picture that my iPhone uploaded and being able to do that on the road or at home is super useful the main downside with that is if you want to do video editing on mobile meaning on the iPad mm, I would say most if not all of the video editing software that I've tried, they all assume that the video should be in your photo roll. Camera roll.
0: Uh, hmm. iMovie does this. Uh, Well, t- okay. Technically, iMovie also allows you to import from iCloud Drive. And a lot of the third-party video editors allow you to import from iCloud Drive. It's what I do for my stuff. Uh, but yeah, it is sort of a pain that, like, the default behavior is your video is in your photo roll. But at the same time, it makes total sense because if you consider people are on their trips taking videos with iPhones, it's going to be in their photo role, right?
1: I know, totally. And I think, like, I think the main uh, exception, you name a few, but with the GoPro, uh, you can offload the video inside the GoPro app and then the GoPro app becomes a data provider for the GoPro, uh, editing apps themselves. Oh. But also, They do assume that the GoPro app, when you import your stuff inside the phone, it also saves into the camera. So they also assume that it should be there too. And I do agree with you that some of them uh, will give you uh, the options to get into iCloud Drive or any data providers. But then we go back to the typical argument that iOS is not that great at file management.
0: No, it's true. It's completely clunky. Like I use uh, Pinnacle Pro for my video uh, editing for Swansong. And generally what I have to do to get video into the app is I have to... uh, Well, I usually have it somewhere on my computer. Then I have to use the Files app to open the Transmit extension or put it in iCloud Drive. Then go in Files. Then choose that file. Then press the Share button. Then choose Copy to uh, Pinnacle Pro. Then I have to wait for the file to download. Then it goes into, you know, the iTunes file sharing folder that nobody remembers exists because nobody plugs their devices into iTunes anymore. Well, the video isn't there. And then I have to kill Pinnacle Pro because it, for some reason, never (laughs) reloads the list of files after you've launched the app. So you have to kill Uh. the app manually. You have to relaunch the thing, open your project, go into your user media folder, and then the file is there. However, you cannot delete files from within Pinnacle Pro. And there's no other way to see what that folder is so when you want to delete the footage you have to plug it into iTunes and then via the iTunes interface delete the video from within Pinkle Pro. It is a major pain in the ass and I kind of want to switch to other video editors uh, in hopes that it'll be better there except there is so little information about iPad video editors on YouTube and whatnot that I don't want to spend like 50 bucks and have another app where I have to do this convoluted series of steps to actually edit video. I would just rather have an open media button in the thing and be able to use my extensions directly from within the app and not have to bother with following us very specific series of events to get video into my video editor.
1: That's true. And I can already see people complaining, say, Oh, but you should use a Mac for that because the Mac is better for it. And I agree but the problem is when all of my photo management workflow was Mac only I was neglecting it so much that being limited by iOS is a cost of me making sure that my photo library my video library doesn't get neglected.
0: And honestly like for your needs uh, iMovie would be sufficient. Um, the big asterisk on top of that is when I last used iMovie for Swansong videos, it had bugs in it uh, at the AV Foundation level where transitions between videos would randomly uh, bump the volume up on your next clip. <laughs> for the first second of your next clip, the volume will not match what you set it uh, in the iMovie properties. And I waited three months, four months for that bug to get fixed, and it never got fixed. So I basically gave up and changed video editors. And I can't really recommend a buggy video editor to someone, even though the rest of the functionality is basically perfect for them, right? Uh, because iMovie for Mac and iMovie for iOS right now are pretty much at parity, feature parity. And there's not much that one can do that the other can't. And if you're not going to buy Final Cut Pro, iMovie is great for you, as long as you don't run into that bug. And I don't know if it still is there or not. I haven't tried.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, iMovie on the Mac is now uh, super limited. I guess it's to be a feature priority with the iOS counterpart. Uh, but sometimes I think the one is...
0: thing that it does, that the iPad version doesn't have right now, is green screen. That is all.
1: Oh wow. Okay. But that's not even a feature I need. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, on a different topic, I've been using a lot of iMovie in uh, the past few weeks for Ooh. preparing some uh, demo from. Uh, uh, work purposes
0: it's never car videos it's never car no, videos. he's been teasing us for fucking two years and it's never <laughs> going to be a car video
1: <laughs> okay let's talk about car videos so the main problem i have with car videos right now is the following and it's related to what I, one of the problems i realized when editing and when capturing videos for my customer car trip is <laughs> it's super hard to create a story out of video and out of footage if you didn't think about the story first, and that makes sense when you think about it now, but when you're somebody that just buys the shiny new gadget and then just want to play with the shiny gadget, you didn't think about that aspect of video produce, video content producing.
0: Okay, but you're not making car reviews. You it doesn't need to have a story. You can just put the footage of you driving on the internet, and it works
1: that's true it does work i'm not trying to make a story but at the same time i'm just trying to make it concise like i wouldn't upload like uh like 20 minutes of me driving when it's just 20 minutes of me driving right
0: well you could i mean i watch videos that are three hour long drives through the countryside in japan and it's just a drive like people watch that shit
1: (laughs) that's true maybe i'm taking it too much but i just reflect a bit on it and uh and especially about a lot of what i've i've been watching and i feel that i feel those like i will watch those videos those small snippets like uh, i think a good example of a person that i watched their video that are super short but are the type of deal i would capture is mark rajin from uh, tabbots and he's a big car guy and if you look at his youtube channel Most of his videos are sometimes some of are longer, but they are never more than ten minutes, if I recall correctly. And he always finds a way to make them really uh, interesting, even if they are GoPros in his car when he's on the racetrack. Either there are short clips about him uh, making, like him showing his fastest lap around the racetrack, that he goes through a lot, or they are just him showing part of his session but also having multiple cameras so either we will show the outside view plus the inside view plus the pedal box view with also cap uh, outputting some of the car telemetry on the video so like rpm speed uh the time for the current lap and all of that but it's also like really short video five minutes right now for v2 video is considered super short and I think he knows why, I think he does that for a reason, and that he knows why, it's because people will watch them, but there's a limited segment of people that would watch them, and people don't watch uh people just driving for too long. But you're right, there's 3 hour video, I think you have a good channel of that you sent me a while ago, that is just people driving to the countryside of Japan roads, and it's like 4 hours of that. And there's kind of, I think like 10, 15 video, not no, even. No, there are
0: hundreds of videos now. Yeah. Like the guy is insane. I, I love that channel. Like occasionally he does the full, uh, either he starts from Saitama or Chiba, which are both an hour away from Tokyo. And he drives from there through all of Tokyo and then to Yokohama. And I'm like, those are my videos. Mm. And then he loops around. There's, a uh, the Tokyo, Aqualine, i think it's called which is an underwater tunnel between uh kawasaki which is near yokohama and chiba so he basically does a full lap around uh around the tokyo metropolitan area and it's amazing and as someone who knows a lot of the sites firsthand it's super nostalgic as well uh and i cannot wait to be back on those highways somehow soon
1: hmm Okay, I think it will it will close I hear you Yannick? How I you I will figure something out. I have to. That's true.
0: Mm, yeah, because you've been teasing us for too long.
1: <laughs> Not only that is, even I if I've encountered a lot of issues with uh building um video, video demos for uh the application I've been working on at work, I realized that I quite quite love to do video editing.
0: Yeah, video editing um, is awesome. It's just yeah. it's hard to find I kind of agree with you. Like for me, it sort of helps that for the swan song stuff, like I have a very clear premise, which is every week or so make a video about a video game for X minutes. But when it comes to real life stuff, it's a lot harder to actually like meld that into something that people would actually want to watch, especially when a lot of our attempts to gather footage, whether it's on trips and stuff like us, occasionally in Japan, I have taken videos of stuff, uh, and it was never really good enough to make any kind of montage with because there was never any intention to the footage when I shot it and it was hard to make it fit into a narrative like you were saying earlier with either your car stuff or your Costa Rica videos and I feel like that is our big obstacle I think there are some interesting ways or restrictions you can sort of put on yourself to try and make better video and I'm going to experiment with some of those in Japan this year um But, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the thing what I've experienced is right now that when you mentioned that photo photo the photo tools, photo editing tools are not really suited for videos, that's kind of false at the same time because I think that's where they shine for just like, here's my raw footage. Usually, when I do day to day, like I fit a day to day footage of me in a trip or me with friends. The video that I want as an output is more about remembering about this moment, right? And now I have a voice, I have video, I have audio, I have everything, right? It's better for me to re- be reminded of it. So usually the, the, the storyline for those videos is just like, look at me. Not I was happy, but like, there was this was a good moment of my life. Please remind me of this. And photo management solution right now are good at this. With AI, with photos, they are good at this video they can do for it so that's kind of i would say kind of fixed right but sometimes i would like to put more like what i like with costa rica is yes it would remind me of a good moment but since i've been to costa rica like every time somebody talks to me about like going somewhere for a trip i'm always talking about costa rica and i don't want them to show to i don't want them to see how i felt in this trip i want them to see what they would feel going there and i think that's Maybe why I was struggling with mm. some of my video editing because if I would have thought before that, uh and then maybe that's why I was not prepared, right? That was, I'll uh, to be honest, before I left for Costa Rica, I was happy to go, but I was really unsure. And I found a place in the world that I, would, that I enjoyed so much. And every time people ask me about it, I kind of want to share my knowledge about it that I love it so much. And here is the reason why.
0: Yeah, I guess sort of like to hear you describe it that way. I think if I go to Japan this year and I say, okay, I'm going to make a video that is going to try to make people feel like they would feel if they go to Japan, I already know enough about Japan having gone six times that I would be able to actually make that video just because I have enough knowledge about that stuff. Whereas when it's your first time going to Costa Rica, you don't have that preconceived knowledge already, uh, so you can't shoot your footage in function of that, right?
1: Totally. And I think that's what that's what has been blocking me a bit also with car videos, is that I don't want to only do a car video about just me driving. I want to give you the impression of, like, you want to do this? Like, here's what it is. Without it being a typical car review video.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird because, like, there's that channel we, we were talking about with all of the highway and countryside drives and everything. And I'm like, can I find a variant of this channel? Except you're in a Subaru and Britsa instead of a Toyota. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so goodness. Like, how oh far goodness. down the rabbit hole can I go on YouTube to find the most niche YouTuber in the world oh, wow. who is like, okay, I like YouTubers who drive listening to jazz. In the countryside or in highways but only in japan and it has to be in a subaru like the, that is my criteria for top youtuber and i will give a billion dollars to your patreon if you have that tomorrow
1: <laughs> yeah uh
0: wow i'm
1: on this last small tangent i'm really surprised about your uh addiction about the super impressive but that's uh I'm not sure if I'm surprised or just like, I wonder if you'll get one for yourself one day.
0: I don't know, but recently I have been seeing a lot of Subarus around town and like drooling at them. So yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. What have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Oh, yo, 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 And I would say on that note, uh, that's kind of what I have. That was my kind of, uh, raw thoughts about, um, my recent experience with uh, video editing and video management flows compared to what I had with photos. Uh Yeah, like I said, it's my raw thoughts because uh, this uh, week I've been a bit sick and uh, sick and under the weather, so I had some time to prepare, but not so much at, at the same time. But that's what uh, that's where I struggle right now. So I feel that compared to our last episode in 2016, where I was struggling with my photo workflow. I feel that my workflow for photos was kind of set in stone. I like it. It's okay. Yes, uh, it's light on time I need to spend on it, but also the output that I get in the end is more than enough for the time I spend on it. And I tried to apply the same logic to the video world, and I realized kind of, quote-unquote, the hard way that I have to tweak and make imp- big improvements on it because it could not apply a 100% the way I thought it would apply before
0: cool um before we go uh i should add i'm not entirely satisfied with my photo workflow i feel like it's I, my, I, i'll
1: be i will interrupt you i was surprised that you were about to not say that you're not uh happy about something <laughs> i'm super surprised so i'm i'm glad that you're saying no i want to improve something that's by yannick that's my. Uh, uh,
0: well yeah so I feel like my library is still too much of a mess, and the oh, yeah. the main reason for this is you. I don't like the AI, the AI features at all. Um, so I'm sort of counterbalanced like I don't like machines that try to algorithmically determine things because of machines are frequently wrong. See also my Facebook timeline, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so I, I try to manage all this stuff by myself. And what I had originally done in the iPhoto days is I had basically done that ephemera slash museum of yourself, uh, divide by basically using iPhoto events in very strange ways. So I had every season of the year I gave its own event. So I would have like spring 2018, uh, autumn 2018, summer 2018. Obviously these would be in order, uh, in my thing, and I would use like 2018-01-whatever to put them in the correct uh, sort order, because I'm anal about this kind of stuff. <laughs> and I would also have like trip albums, which would be like explicitly here is this trip, or in some trips it actually became too complicated because I also had my iPhone photos, which were contributing sort of semi-ephemera, semi actual photos I would want to keep, uh, stuff So I would sort of have, like, trips divided into two albums, which were Trip with my real camera and Trip with my iPhone, uh, which did an okay job of sort of compartmentalizing those things. And it's easier to find stuff that way. Like, if there's a dumb photo I took in a store that became a meme amongst my friends, I can go find it in Yokohama 2013 iPhone photos, whereas I can't necessarily find it as easily if I just go dig into the ephemera album for winter 2013, right? Um,
1: yeah, and when you're in the ephemeral album, you just end up scrolling by year and be like, "Oh, it's around these photos," and then then you zoom in that section. Um, and My description of it is super. I I follow the app specific, but in general, that's what happens, right? You just go in the year and then you zoom and then you find it through there. Well, but it takes like five minutes.
0: Yeah, but I I don't use moments either. I can't stand that feature. I basically just use. <laughs> albums still for everything that I manually make myself. Because Smart Albums for some reason do not work on iOS.
1: I would say though, even if you don't like it, I was gladly surprised by it. Like, it did some impressive stuff with my recent trips, and it made me surprised.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird because it... For my Japan stuff, it really gets confused because I'm traveling all over the place and it doesn't seem to understand that that is all one trip. It is like, well, you went to Yokohama, you went to Tokyo, and you went to Chiba, and these are all technically within two hours of each other, except you're going to decide this is not a trip for some reason, that these are three distinct locations, you want to count as separate trips or stuff like that, and it's sort of weird. Um, But anyway, so yeah, I feel like I have too many albums now because I have like all of these seasonal ephemeral albums and I have all of these trip albums and semi-duplicates and the sort order is kind of weird sometimes on certain OSs or whatever. And then you've also got the other problem, which is iCloud photo library still is not supported well in all iOS applications. Uh, for example, Discord photo upload. Uh, if you try to share a photo in Discord, it will show you your photo library in a custom image picker. And usually it's any app with a custom image picker that basically breaks as soon as iCloud photo library is enabled. Uh, and then you'll choose the photo and you'll press the thing. and It'll send a zero kilobyte photo because the photo was not downloaded from the cloud. And it's like, well, I'm not cloud aware, so I'm just going to send the zero kilobyte photo and nothing happens. And wow, this happens like, especially now that I've been using discord more, it happens several times a week. Uh, and I keep running into apps that have never been tested against iCloud Photo Library, and it's infuriating and it drives me crazy. And uh, luckily, like, the messaging platforms have sort of gotten the hint. Uh, it took, like, I think eight to nine months for line to get a clue and to actually support it. Uh, and, like, this is when I was developing EOS, right? I, actually, that, that is when I enabled iCloud Photo Library is while I was developing EOS, I was like, I never tested this with iCloud Photo Library. I should enable it. And, I did, and then I was like, oh, shit, my photo picker doesn't work with iCloud Photo Library, and I fixed it then, and I I was, like, right on time for the launch of iCloud Photo Library or something like that. And a lot of apps, like, what is it, three, four years later, still don't support it? It's insane. Um,
1: I, I would like to note on this that even some Apple apps don't seem to work so well with it, too. Um... Other I forgot which iOS app I used recently, and it like and was not able to download the hmm.
0: And, and to be honest, like the API that you have to use is kind of complicated. It's not super complicated, but it's more complicated than you think it should be uh the alternative is don't use a stupid custom image picker and use the system <laughs> one like it, it it's going to work for 95% of your use cases uh of course if you're doing a crazy animated gif app like I was it's not going to work because you it, photos was never conceived to work with animated gifs and shit like that but whatever um so yeah it's i don't know I'm just not very satisfied I've been looking at alternative photo uh management workflows that Ooh. I could adopt and they are all worse in various ways, mostly because you lose the cloud sync or you have to cloud sync through a shitty app that they make. Like I technically have Amazon cloud photos because I'm a prime subscriber, but I'm like, this app looks like garbage. I'm not going to use this. Uh, and I'm, Oh, that's a good point
1: you're making. I forgot that I'm also prime. Oh, <laughs> I,
0: I'm tempted to use it sort of as a backup, but not as a primary database of anything because like, I'm not going to be able to edit in Amazon Cloud Photos, or at least I don't think I can. And if I can, like, it's probably going to be some really shitty editing tools and not what I've grown to use uh in the Photos app. But, yeah, I've been looking around at various workflows, and everything is worse. It's, it's sort of like where I am with iTunes, where, like, iTunes is infuriating to me right now because Apple has let it go to shit. But at the same time, all of the streaming stuff is worse, so I continue to use iTunes. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sort of feeling like iPhone Cloud Library is the lesser evil, but I still don't quite like it, and I'm looking for something better, and I probably will never find something better, and I'm just gonna have to deal with it, but, uh, well.
1: Wow. Okay, for me, that was not asking you to, that was surprised that you wouldn't say anything negative about, uh, stuff this episode. I got my share of it.
0: In conclusion, buy a Super Room Pretzel. Wow.
1: Okay. I want this uh, to end the, this episode on that note. We cannot end it on a better note.
0: Cool. So, if you want to listen to other episodes of this fabulous podcast, you can go to limitlesspossibility.net. You can also find the show notes for this particular episode at limitlesspossibility.net slash 86. Yes, I reversed the order because I messed up. Uh You can also find the podcast on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. And you can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And Luc Olivier is at...
1: Luc And don't forget, don't forget, you need to send Super pizza photos to Yannick on Twitter.
0: Please. See you in two weeks.
1: See you in two weeks.